Are we feeling okay this morning? I'm encouraged. Are you guys encouraged? I'm ready just to go home and get Chipotle. <laughs> Benediction. I have a pastor friend who literally says he never prepares. And what he ends up doing is he comes up and presents and just goes until he feels like he's done. And he said, Joey, one Sunday I got up on the stage. I prayed, waited for it, waited for it, and then said, I ain't got nothing. Literally, he prayed again and dismissed the church. So, um, so I'm not sh so sure that would fly here at Mechanic for a Christian Fellowship. And you don't trust me enough yet to try it. <laughs> so um, I have not, I, ha I have come prepared this morning. But even in our preparedness, we're always prepared to submit to Christ. So if he does something different, we're willing, we're willing to go there. And um, as we continue through this series about utilizing our gift, one of the things, or one of the themes is, you're all unique, and you all have something to give. Another theme that we're trying to present is that even in our sinful nature, your sin doesn't disqualify you from the blood of Jesus and being used. So, so last week, what we really tried to emphasize is that um, whatever you have, give it to God. A lot or a little, give that. And often within, within our lives, we feel like our sin is so big that then the very little that we have to give, that God can't do anything with it. So last week, the challenge was just give whatever you have. You don't have to look like the person to your right or to your left who was in the position before you or after you. Just give whatever you have with a clear conscience that when you go to bed at night, you can say, God, I gave you what I had. And um, today we get to talk about utilizing that gift. But to utilize that gift, we must possess faith. We have to have it. There has to be faith. Um, and what we're going to discover a little bit is faith without works is dead. And the challenge within that is you can only answer for your own heart. I can't answer for your heart. I can't tell you whether you're working enough or not working enough. I don't, I don't know. I can't judge your heart. It's not my job to do that. But faith and works go hand in hand, and we're going to continue to discover that today. So uh, we're going to read a lot of scripture. Hopefully today there's more scripture than there's me uh, or my opinion or my interpretation. So we're going to read a lot of scripture and um, go from there. So last week we were encouraged to offer whatever we had. This week we will discuss when serving God and utilizing our gift, a life of faith is required, not optional. So when we use this gift, it's not optional. Faith is not optional. Let's try something right now. I really want a Lamborghini. I really do. That would be, I'd be really cool, right? I would be the guy that here in small town Mechanicsburg, everyone would say, he's loaded. He's really cool, right? Yeah, well, you know what? My, I want a Lamborghini that can fit my dogs in it. That's what I want. 
Let's try it right now. Let's all muster up enough faith right now. Let's just believe really, really hard. God, you're going to give Joey a Lamborghini. You're going to do it. Try it. Come on. You're not trying hard enough. I don't see the Lamborghini. That must mean you don't have enough faith. See, that's, that's, the, um, that's the battle that many of us have is, is we think that faith is often something that we can think or even believe in the sense of if I think about it or, or if I talk about it enough, that then I'll be able to achieve what I want. I, was, I really want the Lamborghini and it's not here. So faith, there must be a little bit more to faith than just mustering it up or trying to uh, convince God that what I want is what I need through faith. You can't do it. We can't do it. I believe that enough faith is simply going to God and praying. That's all the faith that you need is, is coming to God and saying, God, I have very little. I give it to you. Will you make something happen? That's faith. So before we get started, I want to make a few statements about faith. And then we'll get, uh, get into the scripture. Faith is about letting go. Not holding on to things that you want. God's grace to cover. Letting go of things. Not holding on to the things that you want God's grace to cover. Faith is saying, God, you can have it all. Faith is stepping into the unknown to bring pleasure to God's heart, not yours. Faith isn't about your success, but it's about God's glory. Faith looks to the future. Faith requires you to remember God's goodness. Faith is action. And faith is a requirement of Christ. A requirement. Many of you, as I said earlier, believe that faith is something that you could muster up. But it just can't happen. You don't muster it. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Hebrews 11. Today, we're going to read all of it. All of it. Every, and by faith, I say this, by faith, I read all of Hebrews 11 to you. And over the next several weeks, we want you to um, get to know us over the next several years. Remember, I said 39 years to 38 years, so I beat Lyndon by one. So as you get to know me, this is what I want to say, is when I was a young boy, when I was growing up, I had to have tubes put in my ears. And that was when uh, I was developing speech. So what ended up happening is when I was in kindergarten, I actually went to Longview um, for speech therapy. So for a full year, I was at Longview, and I got to hang out with all of my best friends there. And that's really given me a heart for everybody. But when it comes to reading, when I was uh, growing up, I was always in the you-can't-read classes. And the reason why I was in the can't, you can't read classes is because when I was trying to reciprocate what uh, my parents were speaking to me, I couldn't hear them because I was always sick and I had tubes in my ears. So then I, was, I developed speech slower. So one of the things um, I don't like doing 
is reading a lot. I was always the kid who would never listen to anything that was being read and practice the sentence that I needed to read so that I wasn't embarrassed. And one of an important, uh, an important aspect of who we are in Christ is this, is I can share my, vulner- my vulnerable areas of my life because I'm God's child. I'm his son. So as a son, he's the one who speaks life into me rather than what people think of me. So it's easy for me to be vulnerable because it's not about the acceptance of the world. It's about the acceptance of my father. Likewise, you guys can be vulnerable with the right people because your acceptance comes from our heavenly father, not the world. So I share that to say, I'm going to read all of it by faith. Hebrews 11 is um, looked at by many people, the hall of fame of faith. So we're going to learn um, some interesting aspects. You might have to know a little bit of the Bible to understand the by faiths that we're going to read about. So I challenge you that if you don't understand all of the by faiths that are being talked about, go home this week and find out what they were faithful to. So are you guys ready? Take a deep breath. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commanded for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He would not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah warned about things not yet seen. And holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to the place, he would later receive in his inheritance. Obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him. And for the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city with the foundations whose architect and, built, uh, and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful. He had made the promise. And so from one man, and as 
good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sand of the seashore. We're getting there. As those people were still living by faith when they died, they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say much things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac a sacrifice. He had embraced the promise, the promise, promises about to sacrifice his only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offering will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so, in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac best, uh, blessed Jacob and Esau in, uh, re in regard to, the, to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's son and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. By faith, when his um, end was near, spoke about exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. By faith, Moses' parents hid him three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By, Moses, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because... He saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned by faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed when those um, were disobedient. And sh what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through, conquered, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administers prophets, or justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched 
the fury of flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned into strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins and destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wanted they, sorry, wandered in the desert, in the mountains living in cave sand and holes in the ground. Two more verses. <sighs> These were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. That's a lot of scripture. A lot. We're not going to do it every week that way. Last week we had one verse. What's the theme we see? By faith, by faith, by faith. And guess what? They didn't do everything right. What's, what's so encouraging as we read about all these by faiths is by faith Noah was willing to be crazy. Imagine if God spoke to us right now and he said, MCF, I want you to build an ark. That'd be nuts. Or MCF, I want you to build a big wall around the church. That'd be crazy. But if God said it by faith, we would have to do it. Now, with our gift, there's going to be things that we have to be able and willing to do by faith. See, by faith, it doesn't mean you have one plus one equals two. By faith means there's often something scary that makes no sense. By faith, you're going to send your newborn baby in a basket down a river girl, you are nuts. We are calling children's services. <laughs> if God says that to you, please come ask me first. <laughs> I, I want to discern that with you. We, wanna, we want the elders to also hear, hear from God, and we still might call children's services. We're going to have them come in and discern with us. <laughs> by faith, by faith, by faith. The gift that God has given you can only see its maximum potential when you live in the requirement of by faith. By faith, you're going to live into what? Now, I want to highlight um, the Cain and Abel story, just a little piece, because literally we could take months, as it, almost, as it took me weeks to get through the scripture, reading it, it would take us months to really pick apart Hebrews 11 in every story. 
But we want to look at um, Cain and Abel very specifically. So, verse 4 in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. So, let's figure out more about this story. We're going to have to turn to Genesis 4. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Genesis 4. We are going to go there. If you don't have your Bibles, um, you can pull up your phone, I guess. Genesis 4, and we're just going to look at two. We're going to read all of Genesis 4 today. We're going to read verses 3 and 5. 3 through 5, sorry. I'll start. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions, from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Based upon um, this quick reading, I had the question, as many of us do here, why was Abel's good and Cain's bad? They both offered something. There was fruits offered, and there were the steaks. I mean, many of us like steak better than fruit, so then you can say maybe it was just that, flame and yawn or V8, right? So many people have, have also asked this question. There are many scholars who have thrown about, uh, about some very minuscule ideas of, well, Abel's sacrifice was living. Maybe that's why God honored it more. Or Cain's was lifeless. Abel's was stronger because it was alive. Cain's was weak. It was just on a tree or a bush or grew out of the whatever. Abel's shed blood. Or Cain's was simply, when he came to God, was just a business proposal to start the first V8 program, right? God, here's the fruits and veggies. What do you think? I'll give you, I'll give you 10% of the proceeds. See, Genesis isn't absolutely clear when I read through Genesis 4. But verse 4 um, is, is fairly clear to me. The Lord looked with favor on Abel. He looked with favor on Abel. And then verse 5 is clear, right? He did not look with favor on Cain. That's clear. Black and white to me. But let's read a little bit further. I'm going to go up. Uh, I'm going to start at verse 6. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. How many of you guys have ever owned or currently own a dog? Raise your hand. God bless you. If you don't have a dog, bow your head. 
how many of you with that dog have come home and your dog has the trash spread out all throughout the house? Our dogs are now in cages, but you, you know the feeling. Or maybe some of us have seen those funny videos where people come home and um, the person's recording, oh, someone got in the trash. And then they go ask their dog and the dog's head is through the trash can and the dog's squirming, right? That's kind of how I picture um, Cain right now. Cain, if you do what's right, that's why a dog, the dog knew, probably knew it wasn't supposed to be in the trash because it wouldn't be like doing one of these, right? I feel like Cain had the trash on his head and he knew what he was offering wasn't right. Why would a good God come to him and say, hey, look, if you did what was right, if you did what was right, if you offered me what was right, I think that it's clear, or we're getting a clearer picture, that when God stated to Cain, if you do what is right, we know that God is loving, that he's fair, that he's just, that he's caring, that he's gentle, and he's so much more of a God, right? So I believe that verse 7 insinuates that Cain knew the difference from right and wrong. God, in some manner, whether, whether through Adam and Eve or through personal conversation, I believe, um, stated what the appropriate sacrifice was that he required. This meant that Cain's sacrifice was him not being obedient to what God had asked him to be obedient to. So it wasn't about the fruit or even necessarily um, the meat. What it was about was obedience, submission to what God had called him to do. So by faith, Abel was willing to give something to God not knowing the future. By faith, I give this to you. I will be obedient to what you have asked of me. So when God asks something, faith in his required sacrifice is the only way we should honor him. And the sacrifice that he's asking of us is the way that we should choose to honor him. See, God didn't accept Abel's sacrifice because he was inherently a better man. That's not it. It's not because he was a better athlete or he was better looking or he made more money. It had nothing to do with him being a better man. God accepted Abel's sacrifice because Abel, by faith, not works, offered what God had asked for. By faith, when you live a life by faith in obedience to God, that's what pleases his heart. I always, we're not going to go there. This is just a side note. I always think it's interesting when Jesus, uh, when, when we have the jar broken, right, and the jar offered, then you have, um, you have the disciples thinking to themselves, but wait a second, that's like a year worth of money. And Jesus made this statement. He said, you're always going to have poor amongst you. And that always like, challenged me. You're always going to have poor people amongst you. So is Jesus saying, don't help the poor? No. He, he's not specifically saying that that's the way as Christians we should live. But what I really think what he's saying there is like, be obedient to me, what I'm calling you to. Yes, we need to help the orphans, the widows, and the poor. That's important. 
and we're going to talk about that later. But what's unique to me is, is the best sacrifice that we can give is what God's calling us to. Not every sacrifice that he calls us to are we going to hear, hear it. Most or many of the things that he's going to call us to are where? In his word. That's, if, if, if you don't hear something, if God hasn't said to you, I want, if, if God hasn't said to you, I want you to have a night of worship, or I want you to do prison ministry, then how can you be obedient to him? You go to his word. And you practice love, you practice grace, you practice kindness. I also don't believe that Cain was an atheist. It wasn't like he was just ignoring God, right? Like, he's had a conversation with him. See, God, no, I believe he believed in God. He likely was bringing, in my opinion, um, this sacrifice to worship God. But um, this was in his own way. How often do we get stuck in that? A friend once told me, I'll give everything to God. This was in high school. I'll give everything to God except sex, except intimacy. You can have everything except intimacy. Doesn't that kind of sound like a Cain offering? This is my way. God, I'll give you everything that I want to give you, but I'm going to keep back what I want. See, last week when we talked about offering God whatever you have, they didn't keep any fish or loaves. They gave what they had. Everything that they had they were willing to give. They didn't say, well, God, I need to feed my wife and kid at home later, and you know what she's going to be like if she doesn't get that, uh, that fish and bread sandwich. If she doesn't have fish and chips, God, you're, you're really going to have to deal with her, and I'm going to need a miracle. That's not what was said. What was said was, you can have it all. Abel was willing to give what God asked of him. Cain wanted to keep it, wanted to keep things that he wanted. Cain was likely mad because he had self-righteously thought his sacrifice was enough. I think we can often, often get there. God, I offered you this, you should be happy. Didn't I buy that person a burrito? Didn't I buy them a pop? I think God's appreciative of those things, but what has he asked you to do today? And if you wake up tomorrow, what has he asked you to do that day? So, we're going to be finished now in Genesis. Let's go back to uh, Hebrews. Hebrews 5, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And one of the things as we trickle through Hebrews 11 that's really fun for me is there's not one way. You know, like Enoch, 
He never died. God just took him. But what faith isn't is faith doesn't look the same for everyone. Faith looked different for Noah than it did for Enoch. But what was the same is that it brought pleasure to God. What a crazy story. He never died. He's in heaven. How cool is that? Maybe I should start praying that I never die. Maybe that's my plan. I never want to die. Verse 6, though, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, these are important, anyone who comes to God must, this is a must, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. A person of faith not only believes in God, but they earnestly seek him. I believe there was a glimpse this morning of us earnestly seeking him. And I think as we earnestly seek him, we got a glimpse of that reward. And that glimpse of the reward wasn't the Lamborghini, but the glimpse of the reward was a peace in our heart that got our minds off the stresses of this life. That's the reward of Christ's presence coming in and giving us a clearer mind to have greater hope of a brighter future. Because the moment that I keep my mind on myself and my worries, I can never be used. I can't be. I'm just trying to fix everything in my life. So what does earnestly really mean? So I did a small study. We're not going to go into the deepest details of it, but greatly desire. Long. Earnestly desire. Long after. Greatly long after. Lust. Desire, longed after. Lust is such a strong thing in all of our lives, right? Lust over money, materialism, lust over our um, intimate desires. Is it weird to say that God wants us to lust over him? Meaning have him in such that distinct place that he's what we dream about, that he's what we just literally live for. Because I sometimes feel like when it comes to the area of faith, is faith is something we dress ourselves with in the appropriate moment. But what I realize is faith, is act, it actually surpasses Sunday morning church. And I'll say this, faith is more important for me than just Sunday morning. And faith is more important to me than just um, every interaction I have with the church. See, you take Sunday morning away and you take the preparation away of teaching and meetings. You take all that away, I still need to possess faith. I still need to earnestly seek after Christ. And the best part about earnestly seeking after him is what? He longs to reward us. That's really good news. And it's not that, it's not like we're doing a trick for God. Please think differently. It's not like, God, I'll give you a paw and then you'll give me the treat. That's not what it is. But what it is, is because we love him, we serve him. And because we start to think instead of a God of fire and wrath and judgment, we think of a God who's loving and wants to see us happy. 
Can we renew our minds that way? We're still accountable for our sin. That's not what I'm saying. We are. And God disciplines those who he loves. But today, we have a Father in heaven who wants to reward us. He wants to reward you. He wants to reward me. That's something to get excited about. That means that I'm not, I'm not sharing the love of Jesus with people for the agenda of being rewarded, but what it does mean is I'll likely be rewarded. Now, whether we see that on this side or the next, that's to be determined. So, yes, I put in here, I didn't know if I wanted to do this or not, but we will. It's a risk, because um, you never know what people are going to say, but by faith, I'll take a risk. My faith. That's my excuse for everything. Elders, it was just by faith. It was by faith. By faith, what I want to do is, I want to ask, I'm going to ask this question. I just want a couple. What does earnestly seeking after God look like um, in real life application? Like, it's easy to come in here and say, uh, we, we can flag, we can strum, we can raise our hands. But what does earnestly seeking after God in a real life application, when we leave here and the yogurt hits the fan, what, what does real life application of seeking after God look like? Those are the answers we want to give you. So raise your hand if you think you have a piece of that. And I know by faith, some of y'all are going to raise your hand. Because I'll start calling on people. Someone. Yes, Janet. good really good and the scripture for that is the scripture for that is Romans 10:17 it says so then faith comes by hearing mm -hmm. and hearing is not it, it's an ongoing thing hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. It's not, I heard it yesterday and I plan to hear it tomorrow. It's, it's hearing all the time, having, being in a hearing mode. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when we're in that mode, and, and it's hard because <laughs> mm -hmm. I've tried sometimes mm -hmm. to hear. I want to mm -hmm. hear, God, I want to hear. And I don't hear. Mm -hmm. But I've set I've set my spirit so that it can hear. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's what it says. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Mm -hmm. In reference to hearing God, when we hear God, sometimes you don't hear stuff daily. So how do you, what do you go back to? You go back to the last clearest thing that God said to you. 
So some of the last clearest things that God said to me is love your wife. That's what I do. Is when we um, got married and, and God said, you love Macy, that's one of the last clearest things that I've heard. So it doesn't matter that he said that seven years ago and we've been married five years. It's one of the last clearest things I've heard. So I go back to that. Anyone else earnestly, what does earnestly seeking him look like in a um, practical sense each day? Krista. I work in an office where there are three women who are Jehovah Witnesses and just the boldness that they live their life and their particular views on their faith has challenged me um, to really step back and just like look at, you know, like why, why am I, like what's my faith really? And um, so faith for me looks like praying for my other coworkers that are dealing with depression in the midst of people who don't believe in Jesus as their savior. Mm-hmm. That's good. Scott or Kaylin? Kaylin and Scott, and then we're done. Just do Kaylin, and then we'll come to Scott. It's closer. I'm actually meant to say this earlier when you had asked if we'd heard a word from God, and clearly he just told me, your healing comes from surrender, like just being unafraid to get up there and go on the altar and um, just lift your hands. And I think when I learned how to do that, I learned how in my day-to-day life um, to earnestly see God is just by surrendering daily. And that comes in many forms. Um, I'm reading Jesus Calling right now. It's a great devotional. And it helps center my mind if I read it first thing in the morning, just listening to Christian music on the way to work just so many different times where if I take the time to hear God's voice and just surrender to it, it helps me earnestly seek him. It's mm-hmm. good. All right, Scott, and then we'll be done. The, um, I'm not saying that I'm really necessarily any good at this, but I think that earnestly seeking God is whatever is going on in our lives at any moment in any day, whether it's good or bad, that we're praying in the spirit and asking God, what should I be getting out of this? Mm-hmm. Good. So there's many, did you have something, Noah? Okay. There's many ways that we can put a real life application to earnestly seeking Christ. And for all of us, it's going to look different. It will. So don't think uh, Krista's sensing in her life that she, she's challenged by the fact that her Jehovah Witness friends are somewhat more outwardly living out or devoted to their walk than maybe she's feeling. Sometimes it's like they're so outward with their faith and it's sometimes there's a challenge within my heart. It's like, well, my Jehovah Witness friends are living out their faith, but I'm sitting here just doing my work. Shouldn't I be living out my faith more vocally? Um, so if, if that's what God's doing in Christus' life, it doesn't mean that that's what he's doing in your life. And one of the things that pushes us away from utilizing our gift is thinking that we're gonna have to do what Christus' doing. That's not the case. It all looks different. So, see, often 
we use grace as a reason to why we are earnestly not seeking after God. We throw grace in there to say that. Last week, uh, our friend Luke was here, Luke Snyder, and he said this after service. He, he told me, Joey, grace is not an excuse to stay in sin. It is the power to get out of it. It's really good. So I'm tired of a generation that um, is talking about their faith and using grace to excuse it. Talking about it, not using it, and then excusing it. So the best part about all this is God rewards us as we seek him. Faith is something more than a statement. It's an action. So we're wrapping up. We're going to get a better picture of faith today and how we can utilize our gift by faith in James chapter 2. I'm going to read to you out of the um, message version. So it's, um, it's paraphrased, of course. But the book of James makes it abundantly clear that a declaration of faith by itself does not amount to anything. Saying you have faith, just saying it, I have faith, doesn't really mean much. But it needs to be backed up with action. So let's read James chapter 2, 14 through 26. <laughs> I was reading this last night, and Macy said, are you going to read all that? I said, oh my gosh, I didn't even tell you I was reading all the Genesis either, or uh, Hebrews 11. I'm in trouble. Nevertheless, by faith, I'll read it. Verse 14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? It's obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense. I can already hear one of you agreeing, saying, Sounds good. You can take the faith department, and I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works. Work and faith fit together hand and glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it, uh, what, what good does it, do them. 
Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works into two and end up and not end up with a corpse in your hands? Wasn't our ancestor Abraham made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? Isn't it obvious that works or that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith ex- expresses itself in works? That's really good there. That faith expresses itself in works. That the works are works of faith? The full meaning of belief in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God, includes action. It's the mesh of the believing and acting that, Abra- that got Abraham named God's friend. It is not evident that a person is made right with God, not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works. The same with Rahab and Jericho Harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape? That seamless unity of believing and doing. What counted with God? The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Faith, or separate faith and works, and you get the same thing. A corpse. A couple years ago at Grace in Piqua, um, we had our new senior, senior leader coming in, and we're sitting in our coffee bar, and we're having a nice meeting. And in this meeting, for an hour, we're talking. We need to serve the least of these. We need to help the homeless. We need to provide for random people who need shelter. We need, we need it. We, do, we as a church, we love these people. We love them. An hour went by at the 61-minute mark. Some guy walked in our church. He had a Crown Royal bag. He had on his baggy jeans with holes in it. And his shirt was cut up. I was, God forgive me, I was already frustrated because I knew this was all talk. I knew it was. So I sat there, and I'm listening to this conversation. This guy comes in, and he said, hey, I'm trying to get downtown. I've walked all the way from Greenville, and I need to get downtown. Well, we're two and a half miles outside of downtown where he needed to be. He said, can any of you guys help me get there? One of my friends just died. I need to to get to their house. Walked from Greenville, I believe it's 25 miles-ish from Piqua. Um, It's under 25 miles, but it's close. He walked that far to get to his friend's place. And now he's two miles past where he needed to be. We're talking about faith. We're talking about action. We're talking about love. And I'm sitting there smiling, ready to get him. Mm Mm-hmm. What ended up happening is guess what they said? You go here, you go here, and you go here. That's how you get there. They told this man, they said, here's how you get there. Walk another two and a half miles back. 
in the same direction that you came from, and that's where you should find the place. They let this dude walk out the door, and then I wasn't going to let him go, but I looked, at, I looked at these leaders, and I said, hey, you know what we just talked about? You realize the very thing we just wasted our time talking about for an hour just stumbled upon us? And they said, <gasps> I said, I don't know this guy. I'm taking him where he needs to go. Who's going with me? What good is it to talk about our faith with not, without action? God has given you a gift. He's given every single one of you a gift. And just to talk about that gift does nothing. Every single one of you in here has the capability to change the world. To be the change you want to see in our community, in our families, and in this world. But what you need to be able to do is to be able to have faith in action equally yoked, even though faith leads you to scary places, like building an ark or sending your son down a river in a basket. I hope it was a Longenberger basket. <laughs> I do. It had to have been. There's no other basket, is there? <laughs> Will you guys stand with me? Today, I just want to challenge you. Take that step to be willing to have faith and action equally yoked. I'm going to pray a prayer, and when I pray this prayer, I want you guys to tell God yes or no. And yes or no is okay. The last thing I want you to do is say yes to God and not mean it. Count that cost. Count the cost. But when I'm done praying, if the prayer makes sense to you and that's what you want in your life, just say, yes, Lord, that's me. I want that. Let's pray. God, I know I have a tendency to dream big, think a lot about you, think of all the things you can do, think of all the things you want to do, God, I know that there's so much unknown in the future and, um, and I have faith. I brag on you and I think about you. God, I ask that you would help me with greater action. That people would know my faith by my action. And that my action uh, path would be set by my faith. So God, will you provide me with more opportunities today and tomorrow, and if I wake up the next day, God, with more opportunities to be equally yoked with faith and action. God, I pray that you would make it clear to us through your scriptures and through even speaking to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, yes and amen. Yes and amen. You guys are dismissed. May God's favor be with you this week.